I'm ready to roll. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Yeah, buddy, it's Thursday morning. That means it's time for another Lifestyle Business Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my captain, my co-hostess with the most, the CEO, yeah, a man who thinks high and tight is a reference to a great night out on the town. Welcome to the program, Ian. If you guys stick around to the end of the show, we're going to teach you the private label secrets of full-time income bloggers and that's what you are Ian despite it despite all your hatred for the blogging business model you yourself have become a full-time six-figure blogger oh man it's <laughs> true it's so true by the way your intro there uh yeah I know I'm not laughing now it's because I spent the last 20 minutes laughing before you did it <laughs> that's that's the best intro and if uh if anybody can uh, decode what that's all about then you know more about me than you should yeah, I'm trying to get a job as a writer. That's I really want to move on to. I watch these stand-up comics on YouTube all day long, man. I just admire what they do so much. That Hannibal Burris guy that you sent me a link to yeah. is a genius. The pickle gotta, juice, flicking the oh, pickle the, juice, flicking the pickle juice, man. That is so good. All right, we're gonna link to the flicking the pickle juice bit by Hannibal Burris. The shouts and the news. This is the last podcast from the Bali House, Ian. Um, which is probably going to be good for the podcast because, as you can hear, it's, it doesn't have good acoustics here. It's either motorcycles or echo. It's like, uh, you know, choose your poison. But, you know, there's been – the Bali house is – part of it is just gorgeous. It's been serene. Um, I'm really going to be sad about this. This is this is super sad. I mean, for those of you that haven't been to the Bali house, I know a lot of people have been that listen to the show. We've had a bunch of people come through the last uh, year. It's it's prime location. Seminyak is like the place to be in Bali if you're hip and cool, like uh, we aren't. So it's a perfect location. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's like literally walking distance to like all kinds of like delicious food, shopping, all this stuff. Step right out of the front door and you're there. So we learned something by doing it. We I think we succeeded, Ian, in creating the magnetic effect that we were looking for. I mean, like you said, so many LBP listeners came here. A lot of them, you know, hanging out in rooms. You know, if we have an empty room, they would crash on the couch. It's been so cool for that kind of stuff. But we also had some cons, which are, it's not cheap to run a house like this. And we had a little bit of an inventory problem, which is you got four bedrooms. And when you have travelers living in the bedrooms, they're gone part of the time. But it's really hard to rent those rooms out to other people for money when you, A, have a bunch of guests, and B, you know, those are rooms that are inside the house. Yeah. Tough to po- toss that stuff up on Airbnb. So we did learn something positive, and I think we need to continue on with, like, the magnetic spirit. So what we're going to do is take the lessons we've learned from this Bali house and try to find a resort that we can just walk up to the resort owner and flat out rent the thing for a year. And basically turn it into like a retreat for entrepreneurs who want to come and just check in. It's like the Hotel California. You just drop your bags at the door. 
you know, the staff will take your bags and clean your laundry and give you a cool towel. And you just go hang out by the pool and, and check your email and hang out with a bunch of other entrepreneurs. So me and you are going to start scouting for a location ASAP. And if you guys know a good location that is affordable, easy to get to, great Wi-Fi, uh, we're looking for a resort. Um, how many rooms would you think we need, Ian? Ooh, I don't know. I think it, uh, probably, I mean, 10 would be like pretty good, I think. Uh, but I, I don't know. I don't have a lot of experience in this, obviously. Uh, we had four rooms in the Bali house. I think we're looking to do something a little bit, uh, have a little bit more scale yeah, than that. T- uh, 10, to 30, quick, 10 to 30, by the way. I, I think 10 to 30 is what we're looking Somewhere in that range is yeah, I think we can rock it. That sounds about right. I think uh, two things. Uh, one more thing about the Bali House, and I'll put this out there for everybody. It is available from around June 15th to July 15th. We have had people uh, that listen to the show stay at the house before. This is an opportunity to stay in the house for a month for cheap. So I'm going to throw that plug out there. And then the other thing is... What, um, do, what are you going to... What's the offer? Let me put you on... Everybody loved it when I put you on the spot during the Startup Summer episode. So I'll <laughs> do it again. What are you going to charge these people? I'll give them a great deal. If they want to rent the house... Um, four weeks. For four weeks, I'd say, I'd say probably eight hundred bucks. I'll throw it Whoa. out there. Eight hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah. Wow! Wow! You are just—I don't even know who you are anymore. I know. This is know. amazing. Well, here's the thing. Well, thank you for coming to the podcast, man. You're just like the train of generosity. <laughs> it's an amazing house, and the truth is, we can't enjoy it for the last month that we have it. Uh, so yeah. we're obviously losing our ass big time on an offer like that. But yeah, I really want somebody to enjoy it. It's got a pool and everything like that. So if you're thinking about taking a vacay, that's probably the cheapest, one of the coolest houses you can stay in in Bali for that price. Well, let's talk about what we are going to be enjoying. And we've finally spoken with all of the guys that are coming for the June 15th Tropical MBA startup. To be honest, Ian, I was a little bit worried when we launched the program about the quality of applicants. I am no longer worried. I cannot wait to get to the Philippines to work with everybody. And they just have like so many traits of winners in general. One of the things that's impressed me is every person I've talked to, Ian, I've been like, you know, really personal, I guess. Like, you know, how much money do you have in your savings account? Like, what's your core motivation? You know, what if this happened? And people have just not shied away at all. Like, they're right back telling me precisely how much money they're generating, precisely how much personal debt they have. And when people answer questions quick like that, you nod your head a little bit and you're like, this person is ready. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's exactly my thought in talking to everybody over the last uh, two weeks. So we had our uh, phone call and then we've been doing uh, uh, individual phone calls. We've got one right after this podcast. But you know what? When people are able to answer those questions quickly and accurately, that makes me think that those people are ready to succeed. I mean, they're yeah. ready to give up the information that you need to know to help them succeed. And that's awesome. I love that. Broad stroke travel plans. Let's just lay it out there. Uh, at the June 30th, we'll be done with our first startup boot camp. We're flying to Hong Kong to do some business. We're going to go to China. Lay, lay for me the general plan so people can kind of coordinate with us if they want to travel. Sure. Yeah, and this is a loose plan, but I think we are getting ready to buy some tickets here pretty soon. So on uh, June 30th, we're going to fly or around the 1st of July. We're going to fly to Hong Kong. I'd say we're going to stay there. Uh, for about four to five days, as long as it takes uh, for us to meet up with our accountant and to get some banking stuff done. From there, uh, we're going to spend as little as time as possible in China because it sucks. Probably like oh, that's so mean. It's oh, a very large kidding. place, you know. It's I, a very I hear large. Some place. lovely places in China. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want to get really out of there. What I'm really looking forward to is the architecture, actually. Yeah. 
I can't wait to get back to the Chinese architecture. Um, so we're probably going to be in China for like two or three days. I think that's probably about how long it'll take for us to visit our factories. Um, so that brings us to around the 8th. Uh, from there, we're planning to go to uh, Vietnam. And I, I didn't tell you this, but I switched to weeks again. So we're planning to go to <laughs> Vietnam for a week or two. Um, and then from there, I think we're going to try and fit in a Cambodia trip. But if not, we might wow. just end up going back to the Philippines. Oh, wow. That sounds like fun. I can't wait to do Cam. We're definitely going to Cambodia. We got a five-star podcast from Nelson Vega. He says, this is a great podcast for all of those looking to learn what the world of entrepreneurs are doing. That's you, man. We are short and straight to the point. We share real-life examples, and we share the message with passion. Well, I'm going to take that three bullet points as an instruction for the meat and potatoes today. Today we are going to talk about the private label secrets of full-time income bloggers. That's you, Ian. So here's the thing. I feel like in general, personal publishing is a huge opportunity for entrepreneurs. It's also not understood that much because it's so new, Ian. And the people people who are executing well don't really have the time to teach people yet. But then there's a bunch of people that are teaching because they're dedicated to that, that haven't really been that visionary. They haven't done a lot of exploratory work to do the new work, right? So they're kind of teaching legacy information. Okay. Old school stuff. And it's kind of just second rate. It's, I mean, it's okay. Like, you know, Ian, if you tell me I should, you know, make my posts scannable and like put photos in them and stuff, it's like, yeah, thanks, you know, but that's not like really going to help you get ahead. And that's why we're calling this episode the private label secrets, because this is the jam. This is like from, from the stuff that we've talked to, like the really big dudes. And, you know, we're doing quite well ourselves. And so I think that maybe we can start to decode a little bit of this stuff and share with you some of the strategies that we think are working so that you can apply them to your personal publishing business to crush it. So first off, let me just give a little bit of rant for personal publishing. Because I think people misunderstand social media. People think social media is putting a like and a tweet button on your website. That is it not, it is not. That is, these are, these are two social media tools. Social media is fundamentally about personal publishing. And this is new because here's the thing. When Google pulled together the internet, they, they basically like created a marketplace. And they were like, hey, just put your site into our marketplace. And if people type in key terms, you know, for certain stuff that we think you're good enough, we'll present your jam for them. Well, the whole new thing about personal publishing is like, it's like having your own Google. It's like having your own newspaper. You get your, you use tools like Twitter and Facebook to bring people in or to have people follow you. And then you create your own Google. And the cool thing about personal publishing is you can rank number one for any key term you want. That's right. So the new, the new number one ranking in Google is monetizable trust. That's subscribers who are passionately following what you do. And look, this is nothing new. Everybody's been talking about content marketing for half a decade now, or I mean, even longer. But, but what's different is, you know, I just feel like people don't have that many interesting strategies. Sometimes there's a lot of crap out there. I would right. say 95% of what I read about content marketing strategy is mediocre to bad to oftentimes just plain harmful. Okay, so let's talk about the ways that you can be successful as a publisher online. Let's do it. Number one, rip, pivot, improve. 
So what most content marketers do, especially for um, businesses that are, you know, industrial or, you know, sometimes it's not as fun to write a blog post about business stuff than it is about personal development stuff. What they do is they rip, pivot, and water down. So they find something that's kind of sort of working out there and then they do it. So it's like, you know, the last few years in the online marketing space, it's been huge to do these roundup posts where you link to everybody and you say, these are my top 10 bloggers to watch right now. And these posts were, you know, at the beginning, like everybody was loving this stuff. And, and now they're just kind of, you know, it's like, all right, well, the next thing. So how can, how can you take the lessons from that and improve it? One of the case studies that I did was I thought that there was a problem with these roundup posts and that they had a sort of a circle jerk quality to them. Right. So what, what was happening was people weren't actually highlighting the blogs that they thought were the best for their audience. They were making sure to kind of highlight all their buddies. Right. And so I wrote a post called the blogs and podcasts that I read and why. And I made it clear at the beginning of the blog post that this is just a snapshot of my Google reader. And it's not, there's nothing else to it. It's like kind of like voyeurism. Right. Like I'm, I'm uh, recommending that you use Bluehost because that's what we use. And like these dudes know our names and stuff like that. Not I'm recommending you use Bluehost because I'm going to get that affiliate sale. <laughs> that's exactly it. And uh, the reason I mention the uh, blogs and podcasts that I listen to and why is that David, our SEO guy, recently told me that that, that particular blog post has the most inbound links of anything else on our, um, on the tropical MBA blog. So, it, you know, the strategy is here is like, it's not good. Don't just do what everybody else is doing. We call that me too blogging, rip, pivot, and improve. Just find one little tweak that you can make it slightly better. Let's talk about number two, Ian. This is called do the work in front of me. I love this okay. one. This is awesome. This is one of my favorite points. And this is really important these days. And, and this point really pisses me off a lot when I see people putting up products on their websites and then I can't actually see, do, touch, or feel the product without having to pay them money. Yeah. And I realized, you know, that this is, you know, some of the things on the internet, like this is the way you have to sell stuff, right? But I want to see in front of me how you do the work. I want to see how you got to the conclusion that I need this product. And I think, you know, that can be done with a lot of screenshots. That can be done, obviously, with a couple phone calls, with emails. I mean, there, there's ways to get around this, but do the work in front of me. Show me how you got to the, the place where you're at. Yeah, here's the thing. There is no better way to build trust than to do, like, demonstrate in front of people, like, to do a live demo. Yeah, exactly. So the so the guy that that uh, buffs the hood. You ever go to the uh, conventions, right? And there's always, no matter what That's expo it. you're at, there's a hood, <laughs> and there's the guy with like some knives scratching the hood and some buffing compound. I don't care if you're at like the, uh, I don't care if you're at a pet show. There's a hood there, right? Yeah. And the guy is buffing this thing, and it's because he's doing the work in front of you. He's showing you exactly how the product works, and then he's asking for your money. It makes sense, right? 
Yeah, yeah, but here's the thing. New people that are trying to get an edge in the marketplace, especially new people, they're so scared to do this. They're so scared to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Like if I do it, then people aren't going to pay me for it. And, you know, I'm not ready to make that kind of commitment. And that's just like so no pro. Look at like Justin Curtis. Remember when he redesigned American Airlines website? Probably took him an afternoon, but he did the work and it gained so much trust. Remember when Pat Flynn posted all those blog posts showing you the inside of his business, how he actually built the ebook that actually made the money. You know, it doesn't matter if other people have better ideas about how to make a great ebook. Pat did it in front of us, and so he's the authority. We trust him because we watched him do the work. Here's the thing about your target market 90% of the time. They don't have time. So they don't want to be making judgments and making guesses about what it is that you do. And this is, again, like confusing what big businesses do with small business. If you're a hustler, if you're a small business, you don't have a brand. Nobody knows who you are. You have to do the work in front of me in order for me to gain trust. And then when I see you do it, I'm like, well, geez, that looks, number one, good. And number two, that looks like a lot of work. So I'll just pay you instead. <laughs> can, you imagine a, can you imagine a better sales page than somebody doing the work in front of you? So there's two kinds of sales pages, right? There's a the kind that's like 3,000 words long. Excuse me. <laughs> Beep that out, Alyssa. <laughs> oh, by all means, go ahead. Keep going. Okay. There's, there's a sales page that's 3,000 words long and it has 10 buy now buttons down through it, right? And a bunch of check boxes and things like that. And then there's the sales page of like homeboy doing the work, right? And it's not yeah. really a sales page. It's, hey, this is how it's done. And yeah. if you're into it, why don't you join me? I mean, I couldn't think of a better sales page than somebody showing me the work. Yeah, because you're taking somebody from zero to hero in like five minutes. And it's tough to get me to want to engage in your novel, you know, and if the punchline at the end of it is I got to make a big judgment about a bunch of money or if I got to go do a bunch of work because you just taught me all this new crap. I mean, that's the punchline of internet marketers are always crying about people not implementing their products. We're business people. We don't want to implement stuff. We're already got enough crap to implement. You know what I mean? The list of stuff that I haven't implemented goes around the block a couple times. What I want you to do is show me exactly what I should do, and then I can just pay you. Say, boom, okay, yes, do that, please. That sounds good. <laughs> okay. Let's get moving on to number three. Consider the hypothetical value of a trusting prospects. So a lot of people, when they're starting content marketing, they're starting to do blogs or build a platform, they're, they don't know exactly how they're going to monetize it, but they know they want to start doing it. And that's fine. But here's the thing. If you're not going to start with the product right out of the gate and do buy now blogging, which is a blog post I wrote a while back, which I'm sort of half in love with. I think it's a, I think it's a cool concept, buy now blogging. Start with a, an idea of the product immediately when you start blogging. Similar prospect, similar idea here. The idea is, is consider if you were to gain a trusting prospect, what would they be worth? And that's going to give you an idea of whether or not pursuing that kind of content is going to be meaningful. So, so for example, if I was to start a personal development blog and then somebody says, hey, Ian, I really like the way you personally develop me. And then I'd say, <laughs> thank you. And then they say, how much can I pay you to personally develop me? And I'd say, well, that doesn't really sound like a product, does it? Like, how do we, how do we even arrange that transaction? You'll be surprised, but I'll tell you where that's going to go is eventually you're going to have a make money online product. <laughs> oh, okay. Because that's the one thing that pulls all people together is 
is wealth. But that's tough. I mean, you can do that. You can launch a $200 make money online product, but that's very difficult because it's not solving like a specific problem. It's not a huge pain point there. You have to have huge trust to sell that kind of stuff. So it's much better. I'll tell you another example. So I was selling my outsource to the Philippines blog and there was 50 posts on it and I had an obscene price tag on it. Obscene. Like it, it was well worth well over you know, between two and three hundred dollars a blog post. So, you know, do the back of the napkin on it. And I was talking to all these buyers and they were like, How are you charging so much? This site doesn't have any revenue. And I said, You know as well as I do that one prospect buying a corporation setup is well over ten thousand dollars in revenue for this site. Right. And that's it. The, you know, if you were to start like a you know, a blog about how to get a second passport in Brazil as an American. It's like you only need an audience of three people to make a living. That's right. <laughs> and so I think when you start a blog, think about that. Think about that. You know, like everybody looks at Steve Pavlina. Well, yeah, he's got a couple million page views a month. So he can make money off of ads. But I think if, you, if you're looking to get started, again, you need a little bit more of a high friction relationship. You need a, like more dollar value for each trusting prospect. Agreed. That makes sense. All right. Let's get on to number four. Ask your readers to move early in the game to see if they move. And part of this is about getting off of your blog. One of the, I feel like bloggers, they just, they kind of, I see it happen all the time. Like they put up posts that fail or like little contests that fail or, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, they just hit publish and sit there with their fingers crossed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Um, well, one thing we've been successful at, and, and this is uh, this is our personalities too, is like we get out there and, uh, we, you know, we have like a lot of meetups. Um, so uh, we had the PG meetup, right? And that was, uh, geez, was that like a year or two ago? I'm not really sure. But at the time, uh, we didn't have very many subscribers, right? Like maybe 500 subscribers, but they were awesome subscribers. They're still awesome. And well, that, all to those be people fa- showed to be, up. To be, to be fair about the stats, that was for the Tropical MBA blog alone. Right. So the Lifestyle okay. Business Podcast was bigger. But fair enough. But so this the point is that we, we got off the blog. Well, I think the interesting thing is, you know, if you were to say, okay, you throw a party in a remote, difficult-to-reach island in the Philippines, right? And 25 people show up and it costs them a lot of money. How, what kind of reach do you think a blog needs to have in order to get that done? And I think a lot of people would be surprised. To find, I think a lot of people were surprised to find out that the blog only had 500 subscribers. And that's RSS. Obviously, more people are reading it. But um, the idea is, is that you do stuff like that to kind of get a barometer going of, uh, of, of how much people are trusting what you're saying, how, much, how, how persuasive you're being. But there's also like a cross-pollination factor that happens off the block. So one of the things is that we hustled that party off of that post. So it wasn't like we posted the party and then like waited for RSVPs. Did anybody RSVP? That's true. No, we were hustling people to get to that party, right? So then when 20 people did show up, it's, it's social proof for what's happening at the blog. So there's a cross-pollination there. But there's another thing that happened is that that was what made it possible for us to start the Dynamite Circle. That's right. We figured out that we like parties and that parties are a good time. And uh, <laughs> parties were the direction that we want to take our company. But that's very true. And, and we didn't 
I mean, maybe you knew this at the time, but we didn't totally know that's what it was going to turn out to be. And this, no. this is the same thing that happens with products too, is you release a product, whether it be physical or whether it be an information product, and that product eventually morphs into something else based on what your audience tells you. And our audience told us, hey, we want more parties. And, and, and exactly. <laughs> You're getting an incredible bandwidth of information. And the um, the ways in which you can motivate people to action in person is so much different. So all of a sudden, we started the Dynamite Circle with 45 passionate users. We didn't have to do some big affiliate launch to get our first 45 customers. And that, to me, was a big move, uh, you know, moment in our brands. And it, it happened by getting off the blog and seeing if people would take action. And it's not always about opt in and buy this ebook and that kind of crap. Do something fun. I'm sick of opting into crap. Please stop asking me to opt into crap. By the way, if you go to our website, you can get our first 50 episodes <laughs> if you get on our man. <laughs> All right. So what's the next piece of advice that we don't follow? Remember the silent majority. Okay. This is an interesting one. I'm in a unique position, Ian, uh, or I was in a unique position. You too. When, When I started doing this whole blogging thing, I started meeting people all the time because I was running that blog, Outsource the Philippines. And what do you know? The audience was coming to the Philippines, you know? And so I would sit down with them for lunch, you know, every week I was meeting readers. And you realize, and, and I see this perspective switch in the blogosphere is that for most bloggers, the only readers that they see are their commenters, their Facebookers, and their tweeters. And those people are awesome. We love those people. But those people represent such a small portion of your audience, generally. And what people end up doing is, I see this happen, is, is they start molding their content towards the readership that they see. And what that often turns into is a circle jerk. And everybody talks about that. And everybody knows what I'm talking about if you've read a couple blogs is bloggers constantly in a circle jerk, sort of promoting each other at the expense of their audience. And what ends up happening is that it it becomes, you think that those are your readers and that benefits your readers and it would be brand suicide not to promote your friend's stuff. And so you sell out your silent majority in order to look good to your tweeters. And I think that that counts. Like that, that, to me, that's an issue of integrity. So if you're going to cut deals with your buddies and if you're going to have um, you know, partnerships with other online publishers, make sure that you're thinking about your users first and then fight for them. You know, go, go to other online publishers and fight for great deals for your users or whatever it is. But remember your silent majority. Try to meet them. Figure out who they are and what they want and who they want you to be because if you don't end up being that, they might continue to follow your blog and subscribe, but they have you've lost their trust. That's right, and you'll never know it because you're not talking to them. That's the whole problem. That's exactly and that's why I love like when, you know, when guys like Justin Cook like uh, from the adsenseflippers.com, he'll send us emails like giving us tough feedback and it's like invaluable because there is no pingdom for you losing the trust of the most important part of your audience. And uh, unfortunately, we got to develop that tool though. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap it up with the final one, Ian. Ignore everybody. So here's the thing. I feel like people are so pumped up to listen to people who don't know what they're talking about. And I don't know why. And there's, and there's a lot of things that people just say. I get so much advice, proactive advice from people who don't do anything themselves. You know, like, 
uh, copywriting principles haven't changed in 200 years. Are you serious? Are you selling stuff online right now? Really? We haven't updated, haven't learned anything for 200 years. Still the same human animal. Still interested in 5,000 word scammy. You know, that there, there's, I'm sorry, there's a whole new world out there that you know, maybe it's only been happening for a couple years and maybe only a couple people have capitalized on. How about new bloggers who have a million opt-in forms the first yeah. day the blog goes up? Really, buddy? I haven't even read a couple articles of yours and all of a sudden I'm going to give you my email 10 ways from Friday? I mean, I'm just not interested in that. Why not put your best content on your blog in order to earn my trust? The money is in the list. Really? The money is in the list? That, to me, is warrior forum talk. Right? I get 100 people in the list. I converted it 2%. That doesn't make any sense. That's like in this internet world bubble. It's like forgetting that you're dealing with real people and real emotions about what they think about you and real things that they think you can provide and real competition. Like, hey, by the way, I'm on 15 other lists and they're all thinking the money's in the list too. <laughs> it's like this classic thing of, you know, when everybody's swimming one way, just go the other way. Look, if everybody says, damn, the money's in the list, man, just be like, the money's not in the list and you'll be fine. Like, as long as you just make that fundamental go the opposite way. If I would have followed people's advice on what to do with the dynamite circle it would be crap right now because everybody told me to make it the next thing and i think that part of the reason i still enjoy that's still my favorite website and i love hanging out there every day and putting my events in there and making my status updates in there and chatting with people is that it's not like all the other crap right and it doesn't yep. have a big long sales page and it tells you not to join and uh, we don't have a high pressure auto response. You know, all this kind of stuff that people, um, what is it? We don't have an upsell. That's one thing. We There's so many uh, pieces of advice. Um, we haven't raised the price. Everybody said, raise the price. You got to raise the price. Well, here's the problem is that, you know, and this is the difference, Ian. If you listen to Warrior Forum guys, they say, raise the price. There's no, you know, like that's internet marketing orthodoxy. You got to do that. But what I knew from like having spoken with my audience is that, Really intelligent entrepreneurs, they don't want to pay inflated rates for stuff. No, they don't want to pay inflated rates. And also, you know, the part of the issue that I take with uh, some of this warrior forum talk and some of this mainstream talk is like these dudes haven't been in business that long. You know what I mean? Like come to me like five years from now when you're like raising the price every six months on your customers and like tell me if you still have customers. Because like we're constantly lowering the price of our products. That's the whole thing. You know, the other thing is like, the classic piece of advice with the DC. And I mean, I hate to bring up, it's sort of a self-licking ice cream cone, I know, to bring up our own products. But but it's, it's an interesting example because one thing that like unequivocally, especially like people who haven't been in business that long, but they're internet marketers, they say, man, you need to have an affiliate program. They're like all over this affiliate program thing. And I'm thinking to myself, what happens if like all across the internet, people are talking about the dynamite circle with affiliate links? That changes the game, doesn't it? Right, all of like, a sudden, hey, I'm, uh, I'm Ian, and uh, I just want to tell you about a great product that I came across. <laughs> and uh, if you just go to my website and just, just click on the link, you'll see what it's all about. You remember when your old buddy, like people that you barely knew in high school call you out of the blue, and you're like, oh my gosh, man, Mark called me. I don't even, I haven't talked to Mark for 15 years. And Mark's like, hey, I got to tell you about a very exciting thing. I just, <laughs> it's like, oh man, Mark, what'd you do? And here's the other thing that I don't like about that is that, you know, I'm trying to like, we're trying to reinvest a sensible portion of the proceeds of the DC membership funds back into the DC to make it a better product. So then when people go and 
tell their friends to join, it's genuine, right? And it's not motivated by money, but also that when people are buying it, they know that half of the margin isn't just to, to, to get my uh, blogger buddies to mention it. And that to me is just, it's, 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 you know, we'd have to double the price if you want to do that, basically, right? Yeah. And that's the problem. I mean, I got a lot of flack for the affiliate Affiliate marketing is like explanation points that I wrote a while back, but you know it kind of sucks, Ian, when you when you buy a product for five hundred bucks and you know that two hundred and fifty dollars is affiliate commission. I mean, it's like what? That's not a good value, is it? And right. don't people want a good value? And isn't this basic crap that if you just talk to somebody, they would tell you, but you don't know because you're a blogger and you hang out in the warrior forum and you don't talk to real people anymore. And so you think we should have an affiliate program. All right, let's just get moving on to just the tips. We have ranted entirely too long. But you know, Ian, I really think that personal publishing is, maybe it's like a revolution that we don't even see, you know, like Wikipedia or the iPhone. I mean, it's... It just seems so normal now. Oh, yeah, you got to have a blog on your website. But I think if you decide that you're going to be your own little New York Times of, of your niche, you know, and you're going to have, like, the best journalistic integrity, and you're going to kick ass, and you're going to, like, deliver for people, man, I mean, talk about the opportunity. It's insane. It's really cool. And the, and the tools couldn't be more free, and they couldn't be more accessible. That's exactly <laughs> it. All right, so let me really quick talk about two cool things that I bought lately. Um, I've been upgrading my kit, Ian, and I want to give everybody a link. I bought, so I have a couple, you know, memories in my life of like baller business guys who had Toomey's. And it's, it's a sort of a laptop bag. It's like a business bag. It's a boss bag. But they were always real expensive, you know, like they're super expensive bags. But now Toomey's got a tech line that is under $500. And I bought this bag. It's like has all the specs that I've always loved from my favorite bags in the past. It's it's got accordion expansion. It's got amazing uh, organization pockets. It's got three top load pockets. You got to have the top load. The new hipster foldover bags, man. They just that to me means Those you're not are no good. You're not serious about getting at your stuff. That's it. You must stop doing business. You must. I don't know. I you, love you're, that. You're the new go, hipster bag with the flop. Yeah, the it hipster work. flop. It's like you must. You're only pulling one thing out of that bag, and it's a moleskin. You know what I mean? Like you're not right. really getting stuff done. So, <laughs> I, I just want to say this. Like if anybody's like got a little bit of extra money, and you're frustrated with your bag. Like I'm like, you know, people that know me, know me as the guy that's constantly got like a black stripe across his chest. You know, I don't go anywhere without my bag. It's a really important part of my life, to be honest. And I could not be happier with this purchase. Like, I mean, it's got a seatbelt strap. It's got great padding, perfect for the 15 inch MacBook Pro. Um, it's got amazing organization accordion. I mean, I can't recommend it enough. So if you're willing to drop it like it's hot and get yourself a boss bag, if you want to treat yourself this summer, definitely recommend the Tumi Tech. And finally, a simple thing, Ian, but I bought a blow-up pillow from Delcy. Just a real simple thing. I never bought a horseshoe pillow in the past. Again, I'm slow to the game, but I was like, well, I don't want to pack a pillow. That's ridiculous. I can't travel wait, with wait, a pillow. Wait, wait, leopard print? Of course. <laughs> it's fabulous. Nice. Here's the thing, man. Before I get on the plane, I blow the thing up. These are inflatable. Of course, you can get inflatable ones from Delcy. They're comfortable. They're awesome. If you're routinely making four-hour-plus flights, uh, they're just a game-changer to be able to relax, put those Dr. Dre beats on, and you're just absolutely chilling, man. So I hope you get yourself an inflatable Delcy so you can chill over to Manila, the next podcast. 
well, will likely be recorded in person. That's right. So uh, before we get off the uh, phone here, I want to uh, wish everybody well. But first, I want to tell everybody a little bit about my purchase that I made this week. <laughs> and uh, it was at The Gap. And, you know, I stumbled in The Gap and I thought, well, I haven't shopped here for years. But one thing I know that's good at The Gap is the underwear selection. So nothing makes me feel like a millionaire, like walking into The Gap and picking up like 20 pairs of uh, boxers for $6 a piece. I love it. I'm fully stocked up. I'm ready to go to the Philippines. See you soon. That's so stylish of you. I'm going to be ordering my ex officio because I'm just a little bit fancier than you. Speaking of fancy, I'm going to play one of our favorite tracks, Ian. This is from Phoenix. This band is just like butter. This is long distance call. Just turn up the volume. See you guys next Thursday. Booyah. I shouldn't give them away. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do.